to worship. Siblings in Christ, if you lift your net and it is empty, come here. If you open your eyes but do not recognize the Holy One, come here. If your life is filled with mourning, come here. Come here, siblings in Christ.
When your soul is suffering in silence, call out to the Lord our God, who heals our brokenness, who lifts us up from the pit and restores our lives. Let us confess our need for God's grace and healing. Lord God, in the light of your glory, we see the evil we have done, the suffering we have caused, the good we have refused, and the truth we have denied. Heal us of our greed and our fear. Wash us in your mercy and feed us with your grace so that we may follow your way and tell the good news of the gospel. Amen. Rise up from the dust. Cast off the shroud of sorrow and put on the joy of the Lord. Friends, believe the good news. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. As we prepare our hearts to exchange a sign of Christ's peace, I invite those of you who are worshiping with us online to take this time to sign into the digital pew pad by scanning the QR code on your screens or clicking on the link under the video. Here in the sanctuary, we invite you to greet those around you with a nod or a handshake, a wave or a bow, whatever feels like the most um, positive sense of connection. Friends, the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Let us share Christ's peace. Well, good morning and welcome to worship here at Fourth Presbyterian Church. Whether this is your first visit with us or you've been worshiping here for years, we hope that you will feel a spirit of warmth and welcome here in this space. Each of you have the power to create that experience of warmth as you greet one another before and after worship and in other encounters throughout the church. We are together all creating a spiritual home here for all those who enter this place. We do this by participating, by investing our hearts into the community that we are continually becoming. Our life together continues to unfold as each new person enters into this space. With that in mind, I invite those of you here in the sanctuary to find the pew pads at the end of your row to fill those out and pass them to your neighbors so that you may greet one another by name and so that we may know you are here. This month, we are lifting up the spiritual practice of pledging financially to the well-being of the church and to our ministries. Pledging is different from making an occasional offering in the plate as it's passed in the sanctuary. Pledging is making an intention to be generous and a commitment to give regularly, 
When I pledge, it's part of my whole intention to be all in to the work and to share the joy of creating this as a spiritual home for all of us. The pledge helps the church to plan ahead and budget for our mission and ministry, but my pledge also helps me. It helps me feel my connection to the community and to claim my participation in this project that we call Being the Church. There are so many ways to participate in this project of church. The entire second half of your bulletin, pages 7 through 11, is filled with invitations for you to participate. I encourage you to thumb through those pages today to explore the opportunities listed, ranging from fellowship groups to concerts to volunteering and educational opportunities. Consider becoming a mentor to our Chicago Lights tutoring students who are still waiting for being matched with a tutor. Join us at programs where we learn more about issues in the world around us, including gun violence and anti-Semitism. Today is the final class of our Islam series, happening at the 11 o'clock hour in the Borwell Dining Room. You may also contribute to the future of the congregation by participating in a long-range planning town hall meeting. Today, it's happening via Zoom following this service, or next Sunday, it's happening in person at 12 noon. If you would like to pray with a deacon today, there will be deacons waiting for you in Stone Chapel through the doors to your right after this service. And you are, as always, warmly invited to the coffee hour through the doors to your left, where there will be many people and information tables, uh, people to engage with you about many of the happenings here at the church. And now we'll have a ministry minute hearing from Catherine Burkhart. <coughs> Good morning. Good morning. How are you, Catherine? I'm well, thank you. Good. I'm honored to speak with you today, Catherine, about giving to Fourth Presbyterian Church in Chicago Light. So for you, Catherine, why is it important to make an annual pledge to Fourth Presbyterian Church? Absolutely. Um, good morning, everyone. Uh, simply put, gratitude. I feel so grateful and awed every time I walk into this sanctuary and take in its beauty. Um, I feel often moved to tears about the, with the beauty of our music, our choir, um, our organ. I feel proud and grateful for what we do in our local community and the community, you know, the global community. Um, and I'm grateful for how I feel welcomed in an integral part of this congregation and how I've embraced for both my talents and in my shortcomings. And I feel grateful for how I've grown in the time that I've been a part of this congregation. Mm. Well, having worked with you in several contexts, I know that you bring a tremendous amount of talent and many gifts to this congregation. So as you've been involved as a leader here at Forth, how does your leadership give you a chance to grow in your faith? 
So from the moment I walked in the door and, and joined the congregation, I've been given the gift to step into leadership roles. And absolutely, my faith has been deepened um, and at times um, challenged, but challenged in a good way by my experiences um, and being a leader. And I've had the great pleasure of working on committees and teams with people I know very well and share common interests, but as importantly with people I did not know and might not share common interests. Their, and their different perspectives than mine have been important in um, making me a better person and helping me to better understand what God is, is looking for from me. And so when I think about why I pledge, the other component, again, comes back to gratitude for the leadership roles that I've been given. And then I hope by pledging, this then means that other people will have the opportunity to take on leadership roles, to spend time with people they know, to meet people they don't know, and expand their worldview and feel a deeper part and commitment to our church community. Well, we're incredibly grateful for all that you bring to us and we look forward to uh, celebrating our uh, Pledge Sunday in a couple of weeks and uh, so excited about all that that will bring. So thank, thank you, you for listening to my story. Thank you.
Let us pray. Lord God, pour out your spirit upon us to bring good news to the oppressed and let your word be fulfilled among us. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior, amen. Our Psalter reading this morning is Psalm 23. Listen for God's word to us. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. The Lord makes me lie down in green pastures and leads me beside still waters. You restore my soul, O Lord, and guide me along right pathways for your namesake. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup is running over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The word of God for the people of God. Our gospel lesson for this day comes from the 21st chapter of John, beginning at the first verse. Hear now God's word to you on this day. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he showed himself in this way. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. And they said to him, we will go with you. And they went out, got into a boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, children, you have no fish, have you? And they answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net to the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it and now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes because he was naked and jumped into the lake. 
But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far off from the land, only about a hundred yards off. And when they got to the shore, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. And none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. And Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. Now this was the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. I absolutely relish these appearance of appearances of Jesus after he has been resurrected from the dead. Yes, I love these stories of Jesus showing up with no appointment booked, not wearing a name badge, arriving smack dab in the middle of the disciples' lives, and more often than not, even as they followed him down the roads. But it seems rather odd that the disciples most often had no idea who Jesus was, even though they probably knew every furrow in his brow and every road that he had taken. I think of Mary at the tomb. Jesus had to say her name for it to dawn on her who he was. Or think of the road to Emmaus, when he taught them walking along for many hours. He talked to them about what had happened, he may have waited for them to wake up and smell the coffee, grasp his words, and leap to say, ah, yes, it's you. But it took the breaking of the bread for him to come into view. And so we arrive in this instance at the lake. The guys, well, Peter, had decided it was time to go fishing. And we don't know what prompted him to return back to the first profession that he had had, but it was where he went. And for those of you among us who may know about fishing, you know more than I might about what prompted it. It may have been the load of bills that Peter had to pay or the pressures at work. It could have been the years of trailing Jesus around that maybe he feared he'd lost his touch at fishing. A little arthritis might have settled in and the sea was calling his name. Or maybe it was the escape of going fishing, one foot in front of another after the loss, the familiar routine when everything else in his life seemed to have come untethered. Actually, the disciples must have been emotionally spent at that moment. They'd just lost the one whom they hoped would bring sweeping changes in the world, dare I say, the very redemption of the world. They'd watched him enter Jerusalem as the heartbeat of hope rose in the crowd singing Hosanna. He guided them through a Passover meal like no other. They'd been with him in the Garden of Gethsemane, the unexpected betrayal, the armed arrest, 
the mock trial, the bloody execution. And if that wasn't enough emotional overload, the quick shift of mood when the women told them that he'd risen, and with fleet feet the disciple of Jesus, who Jesus loved, tore to the grave, saw the empty tomb, the cloths, and believed. And then the visit of Jesus when the disciples were locked up in fear. Yes, it was a whole lot. I'm going fishing, says Peter. We will go with you, says the disciples. And like many who go fishing, it was a long night. Not one blessed fish. Nets empty, skinny, nada, and they must have kept it up, thinking that perhaps with the sun breaking forth, a new wrinkle would come in the bleak waiting void. So often in our lives, we begin with emptiness, with scarcity, with failure or tragedy. And even when we've had those spiritual wondrous highs, we may plunge into the same old same old, or maybe it's just me. I'm a worrier. I have an internal scorecard of sorts and figure if things are going well, I may use up all my luck or my goodwill, and in a moment's time, everything that I've tried so hard to build will come tumbling down on me. This is such a scarcity mentality to assume that with full nets in the past, all the good fish and luck has run its course. Is that what may have been going through the minds of those disciples as the night pressed in on them and they kept drawing up nothing? Peter the bold one, Nathaniel, a minor character, the one who had earlier in the gospel wondered if anything good could come out of Nazareth, the beloved disciple and a couple others unnamed, and in the dark of the exhaustion overwhelming them, the seeping light begins to come forward that hinted of dawn, and it seemed like just another day was going to arrive. And isn't it weird that what actually did arrive was so mundane, so stark in its simplicity, that it could easily have been missed? Yes, another day with the sun cracking open the sky. Yes, another day with empty nets. Yes, another day when some fool on the shoreline having a cookout, shouting out to the night-weary fishermen in the boat, are they biting? Is that sea producing anything, children? He calls to them. What kind of a jokester is this, they may have thought. You don't have any fish, he says, and he, he knows it, and it feels like He's mocking us. No, they shout. And the guy seems to have all confidence, like he knows the sea, knows their trusting hearts, knows fish, for heaven's sake. Try the right side. They're there. Yes, children, Ken Sibs, give it a try. And so, with no hesitancy, nothing to lose, they adjust the nets to the right side, and voila! There they are. They make a great haul, so many fish they couldn't pull it in, and then thunderstruck. The one whom Jesus loved whispers to Peter, it's the Lord. 
And we can only imagine the million thoughts that were going through Peter's mind. He might have remembered another time earlier when he and his fishing professionals had been out all night and came to the shore, arriving empty-handed, and a man came by, saw the situation, got in the boat, and a little offshore, the man told him to put down nets, and then, as now, the take was amazing. And that man was Jesus. They pulled in so much at that point that the boat began to sink and Jesus had to rescue Peter lest he drown. This time, with all the memories and weariness, the great hall, the recognition, Peter, who'd been fishing in his birthday suit for some reason, grabs his clothes and with an awkward moment of inexplicable holiness, jumps in the water, clothes and all, and comes to the shore to the risen Christ. Yes, they all come to the shore with their haul, and Jesus, who's doing the shore breakfast of fish and bread, asks for some of their amazing catch. From the nets, they pull out some of their bounty, place it on the grill, and the miraculous cornucopia gives way to Jesus' simple majesty. He says, come and have breakfast. Just that, come and have breakfast. And the gospel narrative says, no one dared ask him, who are you? Because they knew. They're speechless because they see below the surface that this is no common meal and no ordinary guest. Yes, the extraordinary is stirring just below the surface. And maybe the point is that God sometimes shows up just to show up. Jesus comes into the daily moments of the disciples' lives and with little ado, leaves them speechless by miracle and mission. I had one of those odd kind of speechless moments um, a few weeks ago when Tom Forster Smith, my husband and I, were traveling in the Austrian Alps. Of course, two clergy would find our way into a church, and it happened that the church we visited had a stunning pulpit that depicts this particular story that we're focusing on this morning. That morning, it was shimmering when we came into this very ornate Baroque church perched on a crag over a beautiful mountain lake, and we made our way to what we found out later was a very famous pulpit crafted with the classic Baroque detail when, with its dizzying array of textures. The pulpit is actually shaped like a boat, and the sculpted waves are crashing up onto the boat, and over the side of the boat is the golden net with its bountiful, flourishing, life-bearing catch being drawn from God's sea. There, the risen Christ, clad in a golden skirt and a halo of gold, has his mouth open, looking at a couple of disciples who seem confused but compliant. And the third disciple, likely the one that Jesus loved, gently holds the net, looking very serene. The message, I think, of that pulpit boat is that the word made flesh, Jesus, arisen from the tomb, speaks from that pulpit a word of bounty for all who will hear. 
And it's frankly a tall order for any of us who preach, who stand adrift in a world when the future seems so terribly at sea. But Jesus doesn't give up as he stands there watching those disciples whose mouths are closed, no holy utterance or quiet question. The disciples in that pulpit are clearly speechless. When was the last time God's action in your life left you speechless? When the skinny results from all the trying harder and the torn world leaves you spent, wouldn't the presence of Jesus just showing up on the shorelines, inquiring how it's going, be a welcome sigh of relief? Do you long for an invitation for Jesus, a simple invitation like, come, have some breakfast? Wouldn't that bring bounty beyond measure? Yes, when we meet the Lord, new life emerges. From the shores of Tiberias to our community, this congregation comes the living presence of Christ. It begins with his assumption of bounty, an invitation to the meal where he makes the preparation. He asks us, like the guys on the shore, to contribute from our bounty because it all comes from God anyway. And then he issues the simple yet completely gracious invitation, come and have breakfast. Isn't this the good news of salvation in a nutshell? It is offered to all, even those who fail and come up empty, even in situations that seem completely impossible. It comes to those who see and believe. It comes to fools for Christ who jump in the water with their clothes on because it's simply too good to miss. And it comes to those who have yet to discover that they are foolish enough to join this remarkable project called discipleship. This is every one of us, and the net of divine grace is big enough for all, and there is not one tear in it, friends. Unlike the untorn net of bounty, the world is very torn right now. There's so much to fear in parts of the world, especially in Israel and Palestine, the terror inflicted by Hamas, the efforts to awaken peace for all the citizens of that land where Jesus met the disciples with such calm on that beach. It seems like eons from coming to life. The heartache, the unspeakable violence, all of it is so tearing of our hearts and minds and spirits. And when we witness such tragedy and the daily sorrow, we wonder if the coming of Jesus 2,000 years ago has any bearing on this day, this hour, this moment in time. But I am here to say to you that we must be watchful. We must stand firm in our faith. We must be courageous and strong because the one who was nailed to a tree for no good reason at all, the one who arose from death to life abundant, comes to this very place, this hour, this minute, 
with nets of mercy, strength, and jarring courage. He invites us to throw our empty nets over the side of the boat and draw up the bounty that he is ready to give. This is Christ's own invitation, yes, to each and every one of us. And when we steady ourselves from the rocky seas of our lives and get our feet planted on that beach, he asks us to contribute from the bounty he's provided, and we will be nourished so we can be ready to nourish all who are hungry, thirsty, to clothe all who are naked, to visit those in prison, and those who are held hostage by fear or failure, to bring the radical, sweet invitation to each and every person that we encounter, come and have some breakfast. Through Christ, amen.
remain standing as together we affirm our faith. In life and in death, we belong to God. Through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit, we trust in the one triune God, the Holy One of Israel, whom alone we worship and serve. We trust in God, the Holy Spirit, everywhere the giver and renewer of life. The Spirit justifies us by grace through faith, sets us free to accept ourselves and to love God and neighbor, and binds us together with all believers in the one body of Christ, the Church. Amen. Please be seated. Let us join our hearts in prayer. Let us pray. As the rain that you have sent us kisses the earth, O Creator, we lean in to draw ever closer to you, to give you thanks and praise for, yes, another day. We give thanks for the waters that nourish, that wash away soot and sorrow, that mingle with our own tears. We pray with those who on this day cry tears of joy for new life, for the receipt of a confident yes after a stream of no's, for results showing that all is in the clear, for warm embraces from accepting arms. In anguish, we pray with those who choke on tears of sorrow, tremble with terror, and are filled with dread. With them, we cry out, how long, O oh Lord, how long? We pray for the preservation of life, for the honoring of flesh and blood, for the triumph of your saturating grace that would redeem us from the principalities and powers of corruption that turn us against each other and ultimately against you. Give sober wisdom to those in power, relief to those who suffer, and mindfulness to those who squander the resources you give us to bear witness to your transforming love in this needy world. On yet another day, we dare together to pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, life is a gift, and the gifts that we are given to enrich life within and beyond this congregation is a gift that we can give back to God in praise and thanksgiving. May we give those gifts to God to further God's kingdom. Your offerings will now be received. 
way. Prosper these gifts that we have brought you, O Holy One. Bless the service we would render you, that we may be profitable servants, that your kingdom may come, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Amen. now the benediction. Now to the one who is able to keep you from falling and to make you stand without blemish in the presence of God's glory with rejoicing. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, power, and authority before all time, now and forevermore. Amen. <laughs>